Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely positively in the right place because this is where the best run. I am so excited to bring you a show that's been with us for several years and it's been renamed, refigured, reconfigured, and we used to be Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, focusing on SMEs, SMBs, the small business market and marketing, and now we have changed the title to Changing the Game and Revenue Growth. That is something that resonates with absolutely everyone. So let me do my normal opening and then we will invite the sponsor of the series who is a regular guest on her series to talk about why and how she changed the title of the series. So let me tell you what we're going to be talking about first and then we'll invite Lorraine Maurice to talk. The buzz today, listen up, is that according to reports by Heinz Marketing and Snap App, 41% of corporate buyers or purchaser influencers come from the under 40 crowd. That's right, 41%. That's almost half from the under 40 crowd. And maybe even more important, 80% of procurement committees are comprised of people at mid-career. So put that all together. You've got what we're calling the new modern B2B buyer. This buyer, they're busy. They are multitasking. They're wearing many hats. Some may be fashionable and some a little bit more or less. They have many responsibilities in their own company. If you are in B2B, we're assuming that's who you are in our global audience, and thank you for being loyal listeners, you need to appeal to this new modern buyer. And It's so important to understand their persona that we're capitalizing the word new and the word modern. So here's a clue. Your sales team, your marketing team, and your operations team they need to talk to each other. They need to align. Let's get their act together, pointing in the same direction. Why? They need to maximize their results for all of them. They need to help you stay relevant. That's a key word today. And they need to resonate consistently with your target buyers all the way across the buyer's journey. It's digital. It's mobile. It's everything possible. So, again, welcome to our new series, our new retrofitted series, Changing the Game in Revenue Growth Radio. I'm Bonnie Graham. My special panelists today, I'll introduce you in a moment, Lorraine Maurice at SAP, Roger Pierce at the Small Business Company, and Brian Moran, who has a wonderful new picture. He told me I can talk about how great it is. And his company is now called the Small Business Edge. So Lorraine Maurice, before we go into the opening quotes, I would love to have you talk about why and how you renamed the series so our listeners understand. Lorraine, welcome. Well, thank you, Bonnie, and it's exciting to be back again. Uh, I think it's my third season, so it's I'm your ready fourth, to roll. Lorraine. Fourth. It's your fourth. Oh my goodness, fourth season. Wait. I know, I know. <laughs> when you're doing good things, the time just flies by. So, there you go. Um, yeah, so we changed the name. It was Think Big, Work Small. We decided to go with changing the game of revenue growth, and the reason we changed the name is because most businesses, no matter what size they are. Really, it's about delivering revenue, driving revenue, um, and profitable revenue. And we wanted to move away from being just extremely marketing tactical conversations and thought leadership into conversations where we bring in experts like our two panelists today who live in the world of the small and mid-sized marketplace and talk about relevant conversations on how businesses can truly use marketing to deliver revenue, um, get sales and marketing teams to work together to deliver revenue, and in this modern buying world, how we really need to be digitally and socially oriented to meet this millennial buyer. And so that was the evolution of the name and the reason that we moved forward with, with the new concept. 
Thank you, Lorraine. You and I have been talking about renaming the series for a couple of years, and I know I wouldn't say it's long overdue, but I would say that it's the time has come. Are you going to be focusing, you said, small to midsize? Is a lot of what we're talking about today applicable also? I have to ask to what I call the big behemoth large company enterprises, the established companies that have been around a long, long time. What's your focus, Lorraine? Well, first of all, these are topics that are applicable to anybody. Um, because we really all have the same goal. And if you think about the big guys, the Fortune 500, even the Fortune 1000, uh, most of those companies are departmentalized. And so inside of the big company, like even SAP, are departments that run as small and mid-sized businesses with their own P&Ls and their own marketing plans and their own revenue objectives. And so the content is really revenue relevant for everybody. Um, but at the same time, we know that uh, I call these somewhat the four unfortunate 5,000 sometimes <laughs> don't have uh, access to the level of yeah. expertise that we hope to bring them on the show. Thank you very much. Always a lot of expertise from you and your panelists. So, Lorraine, now I'm going to introduce you formally, as we always do, with the opening quote you sent me, and then we'll go around the table and introduce the other panelists. So you have sent, and by the way, your title is Senior Director, Global Indirect Channel Marketing, and you call yourself the modern marketer, and I like that. So Lorraine has sent us a quote from Sarah Blakely, very young woman, Born in 1971, she just had a birthday, February 27th. She is an American billionaire, that's right with a B, businesswoman, and she founded Spanx, S-P-A-N-X. Is there anybody on the planet who hasn't heard of them? It's an American intimate apparel company with pants and leggings that do certain things for certain parts of your body. Founded in Atlanta, Georgia, she was named Time Magazine's 2012 Time 100 annual list to the list of the 100 most influential people in the world, not just the wealthiest, the most influential. And as of 2014, she has been listed as the 93rd most powerful woman in the world by Forbes. That Lorraine, it always amazes me that somebody who invented something for a certain part of a woman's body could get to be one of the most powerful women in the world. And I think that speaks volumes to her vision of what we need. And here's the quote, embrace what you don't know, especially in the beginning, because what you don't know can become your greatest asset. So Lorraine Maurice, officially welcome, welcome, welcome. And tell me how in the world did you pick this quote for our topic about the new modern buyer? Well, I'll answer one of your next questions first, and that'll lead you to it. First of all, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and Uh Sarah Blakely is always doing uh, community activities and sharing her story, and her headquarters is around the corner from where I live. But really the reason I picked it besides that connection is because um, a lot of us um, have to transform and transform the way we think and do things differently. And when we start talking about millennials and this topic, it really is about moving forward and meeting a different type of generation in the way they do business and taking risk. And so I just really felt like embracing things and making it part of your DNA was necessary for, for all of us today. And I felt that we all needed to take some risks. And if we don't take a risk, we don't fail, we don't learn. And so I thought it was a very appropriate very much Bonnie as well and has really uh, taken off well I'm I always get a kick out of seeing her name among some of the most wealthy people in the world Lorraine and I believe the uh, the giving back I I don't remember the name of the initiative it's um, uh, with uh, I know Bill Bill and Melinda Gates are part of it and I believe Warren Buffett where they give a certain percent of their income and Sarah Blakely has been on that group on that panel and I've seen some of those TV panel discussions and just, I say bravo. That's all I have to say, bravo. And no, I don't own Spanx, not yet, but I might be investing in them soon. Let's move <laughs> around the table before I dig myself in too deep here. Roger Pierce, the small business company. Roger is a newcomer on Game Changers, and Roger has sent us a wonderful quote from Rod Stewart. 
Yes, this is a lyric from the Young Turks, 1981 Young Turks, is a song by Rod Stewart that appeared on his album Tonight I'm Yours. It showed Stewart with a new synth pop, that's S-Y-N-T-H-P-O-P, and new wave sound. And anybody wondering what Young Turks means, it originated in the early 20th century um, with a reform national reform party of the same name. It's slang for rebellious youth who act contrary to what is deemed normal by society. And I'm I'm wondering if if Sarah Blakely might at one point have been considered a young Turk or the female version. But Young Turks, the song is very often misconstrued as being titled Young Hearts or Young Hearts Be Free. Here is the quote from Rod Stewart, courtesy of Roger Pierce. Quote, life is so brief and time is a thief when you're undecided. Roger Pierce, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. We're delighted. I love the quote. We love music quotes, movie quotes, quotes from famous people. So tell me, how in the world, life is brief, time is a thief, when you're undecided? What's the key focus of this quote for us today, Roger? Well, personally, this quote is a reminder to me not to spend too much time deliberating any particular choice, just to do my homework, take a pause, and make a choice. You know, indecision is the biggest time waster of all, as we all know. In terms of B2B marketers, I think the quote should remind companies that today's modern buyer is in a hurry, that they don't have a whole lot of time to waste either to make their buying decision and to get what they want. And in today's digital world, of course, you could just click away to some other opportunity. So get to the point when you're selling your product or service, offer some clear choices, give them clear options, make the buying process really easy, help that modern buyer to take advantage of time and get what they want right away without too much hassle. Very interesting. Roger, let me ask you a question, if I may. Do you think the buyer is distracted, overwhelmed with media messages, or fickle or a combination thereof? Because, as you say, you don't want them to be undecided long enough to change their mind about working with you, buying from you, etc. So what do you think it's a combination of those, uh, shall we say, persona factors? I think the modern buyer wants as much information as they need to make an informed decision. I do believe in overwhelm being a bad thing, too many choices. That's why whenever we see an online subscription for something, for example, it's usually the uh, bronze, silver, and gold package. There's rarely a platinum and another package. Stick to three options. Keep it simple. I think they are overwhelmed if, if you're not careful, and it's important to provide just enough information to make a good decision and feel good about it. Otherwise, they will go elsewhere. Thank you. I appreciate that reality check. We're, since we're talking about the persona, the mixed hats, the multiple responsibilities, what's going on with the new modern B2B buyer, that's where I wanted to go. There are a lot of factors at play. Roger, thank you for joining us. A lot more we're going to learn from you during the show. And now let's go around the table to a returning guest with a new picture. Brian said I could talk about it a lot, so I am. Brian Moran with New Glasses, founder and C- CEO, CRO of Small Business Edge. I always put the R instead of the E, CEO. And Brian has sent us a quote. Brian, I got to tell you, this was a, an enigma, a conundrum for me. I searched everywhere for the quote you sent me. You said the source was unknown. It truly is. And I eventually found a reference to it from, I thought it was a person, but it's actually a company, uh, a company owned by WPP. It's part of the world's second largest market research organization after Nielsen. The company is Cantar Millward Brown. I thought it was a person because every time I saw this quote, that was the name and the reference. But actually, it's a twist on the quote you sent me. I'm going to say it without further ado, and you can explain it for us. So the quote, Brian, I think he wanted to send me was, fish where the fish are, but use the right bait. Source unknown. Brian Moran, how are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Okay, thank you very much. Talk to me about the quote, what you thought you wanted to say. So fish where the fish are, but use the right bait. Now, you used a statistic early, very early in the show. You said that mm-hmm. 41% of buyers are under 40. Well, that means that 59% are over 40. So you mm-hmm. can't put all your eggs in one basket. And so if you want to go fishing, 
you know, it depends on what type of fish you want to catch. Different fish respond to different baits. And so understand why your customers buy from you. Is it convenience? Is it price? Is it quality? So you might sell 100 products, and 100 people buy them, but they buy them for 10 different reasons. So mm-hmm. don't put all your eggs in one basket because you'll do so at the peril of your own company, meaning that um, you won't be sending the right message to the right group. You're not going to be using the right bait uh, when, when you go fishing. So it's, a, it's important to know that. And the way you know that is by talking to your customers and asking them, why do you buy from us? And so that when, when you talk to them, you're using the words that they use to explain why they buy from you. Brian, is that a hard conversation to have? Is that a difficult thing? Why do you buy from us? Are you going? What kind of an answer are you going to get? No, and that's the funny thing about it. So many companies that I talk to are so afraid to talk to their customers. I say to them, do you, do you talk to them about why they buy from you? And they say, heavens no, because I'm afraid they're going to say, why do we buy from you? And, and then they'll say, we should be buying from somebody else. That's absolutely false. When people buy from you, consider that to be the honeymoon of your relationship. That is the mm. exact time you should be asking them, what made you choose us over everybody else? And it reinforces their decision. And then you make sure that you deliver on the promise that you made to them when they first bought from you. We buy from you because your quality, your product quality is so excellent or is so convenient. Or it's, and what you'll find is, with, especially with the SMB market, it's rarely on price. They rarely buy from you because you're the cheapest. And that's the biggest mistake most small and mid-sized companies make is that they try and battle the behemoths on price and that is a race to zero. You will never beat Amazon or Walmart or any large company on price. They'll, they'll just they'll, they'll price you right out of business. So my advice is find out the different reasons and the different personas of the people buying from you and speak to them in a way they, they want to hear, like in a way they want to be spoken very, very interesting. Do you, going back, I just want to ask Brian, Lorraine, I hear you just a second. I want to ask Brian, Brian, do you agree with what Roger Pierce just said when I asked him, is it distraction? Is it being overwhelmed? Is it being perhaps fickle? Is it having so many choices? He talked about honing in on give them a limited number of choices. So there's not too much to go into the decision, too many distractions. Do you agree with that? Or what's your perspective on that? What, what's being yeah, offered absolutely. to them typically? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely, but understand that that um, the choices that you offer them, you have to you have to be you have to have the choice that they want. Meaning that I you know, and, and the better I'm able to define my customer base, the better I am in terms of delivering the right message at the right time to the right audience segment. We have technology today that allows us to deliver to an economy of one. I mean, we can customize it right down to the individual. So take advantage of that technology and do your homework on your customers and your prospects and deliver the content that they want to see. That's how you'll rise above the, the clutter and the noise, by being able to address their concerns, their needs, their questions in a, in a responsive and organized manner. Thank you very much. That's what I was looking for. And I love the word clutter. Lorraine, I think I heard you. Join me. What do you think? I, I did. I mean, we can stop here because I think Brian, and I'm joking, <laughs> has brought up a couple of really um, uh, terrific points. Um, the first thing he talked about was the statistic about, you know, 40%, what does that mean, right? 59% are doing something else. And that mm-hmm. leads us to, to talk about being um, integrated in, in our communications and our go-to-market strategies and how we touch the audience. It isn't just a singular 
way to meet somebody. It has to be well thought out. You have to go to where they're listening, and it, it has to cross over multiple marketing tactics. So I, I, I'm so in tune with that integration and the fact that the audience is really multi-generational. It's not just millennial. And the reason we bring up millennials is because they do use more of the modern tactics um, to make their decisions. You know, it's more about digital and social than it is some of the traditional things like events, chamber of commerce meetings, and, and direct mail. But um, at the same time, they're also noisy. And when they make noise because they are so digitally oriented, it does cross the generations. And so you have to spend time making sure that, as Brian pointed out, their experience and why they did business with you um, is truly something that worked and can be replicated. So I just really wanted to make those three three points about what Brian says. It's, it's the integration of the messaging and the, the go-to-market strategy. Um, it really is about the fact that it's, it is multi-generational and that you have to reach each audience where they want to be reached. And then finally, because they are, you know, conversational and conversational online, uh, you, you need to be able to address their customer experience at the time the experience happens. Lorraine, let me ask you, and I'm going to go around the table for a second before we get into the up-close and personal uh, introductions for the three of you. Do you think that we're seeing, I know we talk about this on many of our Game Changers shows, do you think we're seeing the, shall we say, the the bleeding over from the consumer persona into the B2B buyer? You know, nobody is just working for a company. They have a personal life. They're used to being online, many of them. They're used to buying online. They're used to the digital experience. They're used to certain levels of customer experience, of customer service, of online ease of access. So they're taking what they do in their personal life into their business life. Do you think this is changing what the B2B marketer needs to acknowledge that this is still that person who has a personal life in the digital experience? What do you think? Well, I think the things that happen to us in our personal life, you know, the use of Netflix, Amazon, um, the way we buy, you know, has definitely carries over into our business world. Um, we, we want instantaneous results and we want instantaneous information. And so how does that translate and how do you make that happen in the buying world um, needs to be uh, addressed, but reasonably addressed so that you can meet those um, the customer experience and expectations. So um, absolutely, there's a crossover between B2B and B2C. However, the B2B requirements are so much more expansive than just buying, you know, a hairbrush on Amazon. You know, the technology that you buy um, are, are impactful and, and they're costly. And so you have to make the right decisions and therefore the, the experience um, can't be as, as easy as, in my opinion, as, uh, as B2C. It has to be a little more sophisticated. Thank you. That's where I was going with it. Let's go around the table. Roger Pierce, agree or disagree with what we just talked about with Lorraine? What do you think? B2B, B2C? Absolutely. I want to be treated similar to the way I was treated as a consumer in a business context. I want lots of information to make a healthy choice, probably more information than I would need as a, as a consumer. I want to uh, be presented with all the options. I want a, a supplier that's going to be good to me and willing, very transparent to me. And I want a solution that's affordable or has got a, presents a number of options that might fit uh, my budget. So really, you know, I, I expect to be treated very well as a B2B buyer. It shouldn't be any different. Thank you. Brian Moran, weigh in on this for me, please. What do you think? It, it's unanimous. I totally agree okay. with uh, Lorraine and Roger. And I think that social media has really combined the B2B and B2C worlds. So the convenience and the, um, and the dialogue that's taking place, you know, the customers really own the dialogue today. I mean, it, it's been completely flipped on its ear, right? Uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, um, large companies controlled a monologue. You know, this is what we're going to make and, and this is what you're going to buy. And if you had a, a complaint, you know, you, you call customer service or you wrote a letter to the editor. Now, all of these same discussions are taking place online. So we see the effectiveness of that in a B2C world. And now we're trying to 
use that in a B2B world. So, you know, people only have one Twitter account or one Instagram account or one Facebook page. And so they're melding the business and personal together, and they like the idea of being in control in the B2C world, so the, the same buyers are applying that to a B2B world. That's what I was looking for. Thank you very much. Now we're going to go around on our normal getting to know you. We're going to make it real fast so we can get moving again right after a very quick break with our roundtable, deeper deeper dive into the topic. Lorraine Maurice, we already know you're in Atlanta, Georgia, somewhere near the Spanx headquarters. Good for you. Number two, what's your favorite drink that powers you to be the modern marketer? And number three, bring us up to date on what you've been up to at SAP. Ah, so I am a sparkling uh, carbonated water girl. Growing up in New York, I started being called seltzer water when I was young. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's uh, sparkling water with flavor. So that really does empower me every day. It's something I enjoy. And I think your second question was, what makes me a modern marketer? Uh, yep. And, well, that, that is my uh, ability to embrace the, the changes that have happened in marketing. You know, I'm not going to talk about age, but, you know, I've... <laughs> king and we and now it's content is king. So the evolution and and the transformation of understanding um, the market and the buyer are what leads me to to consider myself a modern marketer. Thank you. And what have you been up to recently? What's happening with you and your role at SAP? Ah, SAP. Well, we've been certainly very busy. I think that. Um, What's up with us is we're going to be, again, similar to the show, focusing a lot on thought leadership content for our customer, uh, utilizing our partner network, which is a key to the small and mid-sized marketplace, and empowering them with all the right tools and resources. So that's my new project, is empowering partners to support our customers. Thank you very much. Good plan. Roger Pierce, let's go to you, the small business company. Roger, where are you today, please? We'd love to know what drink powers you. What do you absolutely love to have in your cup, your glass, your goblet, your flute, whatever you're drinking from? And what is the small business company? Tell me a little bit about what you do, please. Well, I'm talking to you today, Bonnie, from Frosty, downtown Toronto, where it is minus 15 degrees Celsius. And for our American oh. friends, that's about 5 degrees Fahrenheit. Whoa! <laughs> we're, under an, we're under an extreme cold weather alert, first of, not first of, but one of many that we've had to go through the last couple of months. Even mm-hmm. though it's March, you'd think it would thaw out a little bit, but no such luck yeah. yet. So we've got tons of snow, tons of ice. It's a real challenge getting around, and uh, I need something to warm my soul. So the drink I'll be having after work is a Cuba Libra. Now, a Cuba Libra, of course, is um, goes back to its roots in Cuba, um, and it literally means free Cuba. Cuba Libra contains rum and Coke, sometimes uh-huh. a little lime juice. Yep. And Cuba Libra was my favorite drink when my family and I spent two glorious weeks in Cuba back in January where it was nice and warm. By the way, those of you looking up Cuba Libre, it's C-U-B-A-L-I-B-R-E, and it's basically uh, a fancy word for rum and Coke. Four ounces of cola, third of an ounce of fresh lime juice, and one and two-thirds ounce. Well, who's measuring of white rum? Build the ingredients in a highball glass filled with ice, garnish with a lime red wedge, serve on the rocks, pour it over ice, and that's the way it is, and the drink looks really, really pretty, and it's making me feel warm. I'm just hearing you talk about it, Roger. <laughs> Tell me about your company. What is the small business company? What a perfect name. Go ahead. Thank you so much. The small business company, you know, I'm a small business expert. I work with entrepreneurs. That's my background. I've had 14 small businesses, co-authored a book, and I've really helped train and coach thousands of entrepreneurs over the years. The small business company comes from that passion and that expertise, and today we help big companies like banks and brands, connect with small business owners using small business content. So, for example, we'll work with banks like Bank of America or Citizens Bank, Clydesdale Bank in the U.K. We've got clients in eight different countries. We'll help them prepare a small business content strategy for their website and then develop the content 
to support that strategy. When I say content, I mean things like, obviously, how-to articles or cash flow templates or a business loan tool, infographics, ebooks, videos, that kind of stuff. It's really all about, you know, helping the small business owner learn what they need to learn to run a successful business. I know Brian will support that statement. They need all the help they can get. I know firsthand it's a challenge to start and launch a small business, and it's intimidating. So if a small business owner is in trouble or looking for answers online, they're going to search for help and hopefully find it on one of our clients' websites, maybe a big bank. If that bank is providing some help and assistance to the small business owner in terms of, hey, understanding marketing or finance or sales or cash flow, it's going to naturally start a conversation with that bank and hopefully lead to a sale. So we are a completely digital content marketing agency. As I said, we work with banks and brands in eight different countries now. And to me, it's all about helping the big business or the big B reach the small C, small B rather. So we're a big B to small B company. Thank you very much. Very nice to get to know you. You're the only newcomer on our panel, and I'm happy to welcome you. And now let's go around a little bit more. Brian Moran is waiting patiently. Brian, those glasses are really rocking your PR photo. I'm really liking them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, I have I have everybody's pictures in front of me when I'm hosting the show, and I, I say, wow, that's, that's really cool. So, Brian Moran, let's go through the litany here. Number one, where in the world are you today? Please, number two, what's your favorite drink that's powering you in that new look? And number three, Catch us up to date on what you've been up to and why you changed the name of your company. Sure. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, mm-hmm. So I am calling you from uh, lovely northern New Jersey uh, from my office, and uh, and it's 72 degrees inside my office. I don't know how <laughs> cold it is outside, but I'm, I'm very comfortable in short sleeves right now. I can so, ask Alexa, uh, but I don't want to bother her in the other room, so go ahead. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, as far as what I'm drinking, uh, right now I'm having, uh, like Lorraine, I'm having uh, uh, sparkling water, but I think I'm going to have what Roger's having after the show. Uh, the, the Cuba Libra <laughs> sounded pretty good to me. I think um, so. And then as far as my company, uh, I'm really excited about Small Business Edge. It's uh, It's a culmination of 29 years of publishing magazines and newspapers and working with business owners to help them realize their dreams. I finally, um, uh, earlier this year, I, after about a year of planning, I took the plunge and we're going to create a new global community platform for business owners. And really it's a conduit. Um, business owners have questions. We're going to provide them answers. I like to say that we're going to be like the Siri for small business owners and entrepreneurs. So, you know, when you have a question about how to do something in your business, whether it's cash flow or it's employees or procurement, I want you to think of the Small Business Edge platform first. Come on and find the answers to your questions. And it's also going to be a great opportunity to network with like-minded business owners from around the world. Um, we have a great person who I think has been on your show, Reva Lasansky, who's the editor of sure. Entrepreneur Magazine 25 years. Oh, she was years. on many years she, ago. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have her back. Yeah. Try and get her for us. Well, Talk she, to Lorraine. Absolutely. Absolutely. She, she is the editor for Small Business Edge. And, uh, mm-hmm. and right now we have about 60 subject matter experts, including Roger Pierce. Uh, who when, so when you come on and you have a question, I want to I introduce you to the smartest people in the world who can help you. So if you want to talk about doing business in Canada, I want to refer you to Roger. If you want to do business in the UK or Australia, or you have questions about finance, I want to be able to to have the top subject matter experts answer your questions. And like I said, if you're looking to, you know, work with like-minded business owners about a new distributorship, new partnership, or just ask them questions, It'll be the same thing. So the platform is very exciting. We're going to launch it in early April. Uh, it's a membership program or platform, and um, we're going to have subject matter experts. We'll have small business organizations, and we'll have about eight or ten large companies as sponsors. And I'm very excited about it. Well, we're excited for you. That hopefully is. Hopefully, I don't fall that- on my face. 
<laughs> You'll be no, no, no. You're going to be just fine. That sounds very exciting, yeah. and we're we're very happy for Thank your you. new opportunity. It sounds like something that's a long time coming and needed with all of your expertise. I'm glad you're working with Roger on that. We're going to skip the break because we've just been trucking along, and the clock is ticking on. I want to make sure we cover a lot more content. Lorraine, I'm looking at your notes here, and there's something that just jumped out at me. We've been talking a lot about B2B and the persona, the buyers, the whether they're millennials or not, the distraction, the clutter the noise, how they need advice, how they need to to carefully consider their buying decision, regardless of how they take that journey. But here's something that popped up in your notes, Lorraine, that we've talked about on the previous version of the show, Think Big, Work Small. And I think it bears uh, at a very tactical level. Let's dive into tactical. You say, well, you may not immediately think video, now you know where I'm going, is a big part of the B2B buying process. It is actually a vital part of research at the awareness stage and the consideration stage. Lorraine, take us into this tactic, please. I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't get you to talk about something I know you're very passionate about. Go ahead. So, yes, videos for for videos for us. Sorry, I'm like I got all excited when you start talking about videos. So I know that I know, I know you. It, it is is a a, a buying tac- a, a, a marketing tactic that really supports, like I said, all, really all areas of the buying journey, and everything from awareness really through the consideration and close. And here's how it works: it makes you uh, become more tangible. And to the buyer who is doing the majority of their research online. So by the use of video, whether it's in customer testimonials, whether it's even a video card, thank you, from the salesperson to the customer, thanking them for the import, the appointment, if it's a, a reiteration of certain facts, it's the way we consume information now. You know, we are, again, again I go back to that using that word instantaneous in, in societies these days, and we're busy. So to be able to pop up a video to do anything from learning to decision-making to research to qualification makes it our jobs easier. And it also lends to... You know, again, looking for the authenticity in somebody um, and their message and seeing if it's just really a marketing spin or if it's something that truly resonates with you because they're talking about, you know, your pain points or an opportunity where they can help you succeed to a better level. So we're finding um, in in my world and, and in the small to medium business world that videos are a number one tactic to use to get your message across in, in, again, all areas of the buyer's journey. And one of the things we use a lot are those video thank you cards. Lots of uh, different tools out there, like a video list, as an example, Camtasia, where you can just on your phone say, hey, you can be in your car. Thanks for the appointment. You know, I'll be following up with XYZ. Boom, you send it off, and, and there you go. Thank you very much. And Lorraine, I'm, I've decided on the fly here to do something a little different. Instead of asking the panel to agree or disagree with you, I'm going to pick up some tactical advice from each of the panelists because we have such great information. You've all done sure. such wonderful prep work. So Roger Pierce, I'm looking at your notes and here's something that should be obvious. You say we shouldn't have to say it, but B2B marketers need to make sure everything you put out there online is mobile optimized. Absolutely. Roger, tell us why it's still so important to optimize for that mobile experience. What do you think? Absolutely. You know, it's it's a bit arrogant to assume how the customer is going to consume your content or your brand. And everything should be designed from your website to an article to a video to an ebook to to whatever the purchase interface should be designed for the smallest screen and that's our smartphone. I guess in a few years it might be watches, but let's leave it at smartphone for now. You know, whereas so many big companies sort of say, ah, it looks good on desktop, and, and that's the way we're designing it, when that's not how most people are, are consuming the content. We make sure, for example, any videos we produce or, or infographics or things like that are certainly going to look good on all devices, and that's what a bank or a brand wants to see. Everything must work on the smallest screen. It's a bit arrogant to tell the customer how to, how to consume your content or experience the brand. You know, and it's important to test it over again and again. I'll just add that in as a tactical suggestion here. 
it's not enough just to put the stuff out there and leave it. You've got to monitor what's happening on your website. You've got to monitor what's happening with, with your customer interfaces because things can change and glitches can pop up. The last thing you want to have is a customer clicking through to one of those dreaded 404 screens, page not found. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. it's an epidemic out there. It's a huge concern. Some of the world's biggest companies have tons of glitches and errors riddled throughout their websites, let alone on smartphones. So really, it's something that someone needs to be empowered within the organization, perhaps in the digital marketing team, to check it again and again, monitor all content, make sure that customer is happy from every angle. Thank you. Great advice. Brian Moran, I'm looking at your notes here, and I think I found one where we're going to wrap it all up in a bow. We do have more time, but I love this one. You say there are five ways to communicate with B2B buyers today. Phone. Everybody take notes now. Phone, email, text, direct mail, and in-person meetings. And social media adds a sixth arrow to your quiver. Use it wisely. Brian, is there a prioritized order in the way I read these from your notes, phone, email, text, direct mail, in person, and then social media? How would you prioritize? Or are they equal? No, they're not equal. And and the thing is, um, the first five, it's all push, right? Uh, Bonnie, if you're my customer, my prospect, Oh, I have to call you, I have to text you, email you, send you letters, or try and schedule an appointment with you. At some point, you're going to say, Brian, all good. Like, I got everything you, you sent me, and if I need anything, I will call you. And that basically puts an end to our conversation. Now, how do I stay on your radar screen? It, it, it's impossible because you shut me down effectively. You said no more information. But if Mm. I follow you on Twitter or we're connected on LinkedIn or on Facebook, and Bonnie, you post something that says, you know, my company just won an award, I can like it, I can share it or retweet it, and I can comment on it. Congratulations, Bonnie. That's awesome news. You guys must be so proud. Well deserved. Mm. That's me telling you you have a beautiful baby. When people post stuff online, everybody wants to be told they have a beautiful face. And by that, I mean it's recognition. <laughs> Think yes. about that. Think about, you know, posting something that nobody likes, nobody comments on, and nobody shares. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's tweet, tweeting in the forest. You know, did anybody actually hear it? And what's yes. amazing about that is how few people really do it well. So when you go online... I, I say apply the two-thirds, one-third. <coughs> yes. Two out of every three actions you take should be to recognize and support the people who help you succeed in business. The one-third should be your own content, whether you create it or you curate it. But that's the secret to success on social media, and nobody's telling you to stop thanking them or stop supporting their messages. They welcome it. And it's a non-invasive way to stay on somebody's radar. Very interesting. I am. I'm laughing with recognition, Brian. I'm thinking of Facebook. I go on it as seldom as possible these days. But when I do, over ninety percent of what I do is clicking like with the thumbs up or the heart for I love on somebody's picture of something that has absolutely no interest for me whatsoever. But I, it's the recognition part, right? And once in a while, I'll yep. post what I've done on a radio show or something, but I get such a kick out of the comments are almost pro forma on every picture anybody posts of their family, no matter what it looks like, who's in it, beautiful couple, great picture, you look like lovebirds, what a wonderful family you have, wow, what a great trip. It's it's like people have a template for what they're going to say on each other's posts. Well. <laughs> But you're right. Recognition is what we're do- what we need, isn't it? True. Yes, but you said the word template, and this is yes. Key. You need to be authentic and genuine and sincere. So instead of saying "beautiful couple," personalize that message. That's what's going to make you stand out. Take the time to personalize the message. Maybe even add some humor to it. So you know how like when some, you get a notification on LinkedIn and it says somebody just got a new job and LinkedIn provides the template that says congrats on the new job. 
and or congrats on your work anniversary. And I know when it happens to me, I'll get a hundred congrats on the work anniversaries. And I read them all. I'm like, yeah, you click a button. And that's fine. I, I love reading the ones, congrats on the work anniversary, Brian. It's been at least two months since we last spoke. Let's catch up soon. I'm going to remember that person because they took the time to personalize it. You know, Lorraine talked about the video thank you card. I wrote that down in a capital letter. I love that, Lorraine. It's such a great message, and I'm going to absolutely 100% use that. Even though I have a face for radio, I'm going to use video thank you cards <laughs> thank all my customers, and I'm going to do it in a personal way. I love it. Lorraine, any comments back to Brian for that? We've got a good – I'm sorry we're almost out of time because this is really rocking. Go ahead, Lorraine. No, I think Brian and Roger are spot on. I mean, we, you know, this is stuff that we're living and breathing today, and we need to share ideas, and then we need to, as I say, you know, replicate them and revive them in our own business. And so I'm glad that we can share it. And it's, it's you know, I'm glad we share this information, and I hope that our listeners take it and implement it in their own companies. Thank you. Roger, anything you want to add to this? This is interesting while we're doing our tactical approach. Do you agree or disagree with this two to three rule? Two thirds should be recognition for others and one third should be your own content. What do you think, Roger? Absolutely. I'm a big believer in, you know, a mix of curated content as well as original content. A lot of the customers we work with say, oh, wait a minute, do we have to create all of our own original stuff, ebooks and articles and things? No, you don't. You really just need a good, inventory of, of content that's going to help the customer and then get out there and share uh, on social media, as Brian's suggesting, other great content. So it should be a good mix of both. Thank you very much. Lorraine, we're just about at our predictions round. I'm going to predict that you're going to continue this conversation at some point, either on your series or we're going to cross-pollinate and bring this panel over to Coffee Break with Game Changers in the next couple months for part two. What do you think, Lorraine? Good idea? Um, I think you're spot on. So your prediction is correct, Bonnie. <laughs> Thank you very much. So now let's go around the table for our real predictions. And because we're starting about a minute and a half early, oh my, that never happens. Let's, well, we didn't take the break. That's why we gained a little time here. Lorraine, Maurice, I'm going to give you a whole 90 seconds instead of the usual 60 seconds for your prediction. Lorraine, shall we agree that we're going to look ahead to, let's talk about the year 2020. It's only nine months away we've been waiting forever 2020 you know i can't get that earworm from barbara walters out of my head just it keeps coming back for some reason but in the year 2020 will we see anything remarkable amazing exciting new on the front of b2b buyers their persona and or how marketers should approach them lorraine 90 seconds go well, I think our two panelists may have some better insights than I, but I will, I'm actually going to talk about persona marketing. And this is something that I think has been going on longer in the consumer industry, consumer marketplace than it has in the business marketplace. But today and in the business world, especially with the opportunities that marketing automation offers, digital selling offers, persona marketing is going to become even greater asset to all of us trying to create pipeline and revenue. So it's going to become critical that you understand your industry, you understand uh, your consumer, your buyer, um, you understand pain points, and then you understand how to reach them and how to reach them in an integrated fashion. So I'm going with personas being a highlight, industries becoming even more important, and content continuing to be a lead to uh, to reach your audiences. Thank you very much. I like that. Let's go to Roger Pierce at the Small Business Company. Roger, what do you see as the future of this topic? 2020, is that a good year for you to predict? 90 seconds. Go ahead, Mr. Pierce. I think in the future, customer reviews will rule the landscape. Uh, Customers are going to have even more power over marketers in a couple of years forward. Take Uber, for example. If you ever taken an Uber or a Lyft, some drivers are absolutely petrified of a negative customer review on the app. Go to Amazon, booksellers, book authors clamor for positive reviews. Get over a thousand reviews and you're in sacred territory. Things like Yelp 
a restaurant can can make it or break it based on a positive mm-hmm. review. So there's a lot of power with the buyers, consumer and business buyers, in terms of reviews. And I think that trend is going to continue. That might be a good thing. It's going to keep marketers on their toes. It's going to give consumers and buyers a lot more power. And uh, maybe that makes for a, a, a better offering and a better product and a better process and a better customer prom- promise. That's Thank you, prediction. Roger. I, I have to tell a quick story here, Brian. I have plenty of time for you. Lorraine may have heard the story before. Um, when I was on Long Island, I just moved to Durham. Uh, and by the way, I'm only drinking water. They don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. I forgot to say that in the drink portion of the show. Um, I, I was part of a couple and we were meeting with another couple to go to dinner and we recommended a certain restaurant that was within walking distance, good reputation. And the woman from the other couple said, absolutely not. I'm not going there. And I said, why? She said, I read 35 negative reviews on Yelp. I'm not going there. And I said to her, but this is me. I'm a real person. I go there from time to time. The food is good. The service is good. They're friendly. The prices are reasonable. She said, I refuse to go there because the reviews, I said, seriously, you're taking 35 strangers comments. Maybe they had an ax to grind. I don't know. And she said, nope, we're not going there. Absolutely. And that's how seriously she took Yelp. I'm going to rest my case on that one. But yes, Roger, make or break. No kidding. Brian Moran, 90 seconds. Prediction, all yours. What do you see in the crystal ball? Well, I love the comments from Lorraine and Roger. I actually took the, I, I took about four pages of notes today. So thank you both for sharing your insights with me. Um, here's what I see. You know, the, it, it, the, the winners and losers are going to be more defined in 2020. And here's how you can be on the winning side. And that is don't lose sight of the big picture. Right? You have your own goal about where you want your company to be at the end of 2020. And everything that we've talked about today is a means to that end. Some of it applies to your business. Some of it doesn't. Social media may or may not apply to your business. Customer reviews may or may not apply. Customer personas. The point is, understand that you have a goal. If we had breakfast on December 31st, 2020, I would ask you, did you achieve your goal for this year? Are you where you want to be with your company? And the answer is simple, yes or no. Everything you do from today until that date is a means to an end of achieving your goal. So have a plan on how, have a GPS plan. This is how I plan to get to that goal. The more specific the plan, the better your chances are for success. And that way, when new technology gets introduced or new programs, new opportunities, you can compare (coughs) them to your plan and say, is this technology going to help me get closer to my goals? If the answer is yes, you you put it into the plan. If the answer is no, you pass on. So Thank you, Brian Moran. We have to wrap. Thank you very much. You're going to come back and do more on this topic. I really appreciate it. I have to do a shout out to Brittany Gu, who works with Lorraine. Brittany has a new assignment, but she's been very helpful setting up the show. So, Lorraine, please tell her we say thank you and best wishes. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Congratulations to Lorraine on the renaming of your series. A shout out to Aaron Keller at the Business Channel team for getting us on the air. Wonderful panel. Great conversation. I predict there's a lot more coming up and down the pike on this topic. So here's my shout out. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? for. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Lorraine Maurice at SAP, just like Roger Pierce at The Small Business Company, and just like Brian Moran at Small Business Edge. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel with Coffee Break with Game Changers, with a show about equality and innovation and business in celebration of International Women's Day this week. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.